Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every day, only about 13 minutes long, but that gets us into God's Word every day, helps keep us connected in a relationship with God, helps us to have a better mindset to be able to deal with life every day, and life throws a lot at us every day. But it also helps us to stay strong in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Share these short studies with everybody you can. Help somebody you know, and you know people who need to turn their life around. They need to come to God. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Share these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But Share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Think what a blessing it will be for somebody to help them get to heaven, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study today. We're going to ask perhaps the most basic and fundamental question that has ever been asked by mankind and that still needs to be asked by people every single day and all day long. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? We can think about on Pentecost as the church was being established on this earth. And Peter and the rest of the apostles were teaching a crowd of Jewish men who had gathered there for that important Jewish feast day. It was a religious occasion for the Jews, but it was also a feast day for them. And so the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles. They began teaching God's word. And many of those Jewish men gathered there from, as the text says, from Every, every nation under heaven, verse 5 of Acts chapter 2, they began wondering, how is it that we all are hearing what they're saying in our own individual languages? Well, because the Holy Spirit was, was blessing the apostles to be able to speak in those other languages. We're not talking about ecstatic utterances. We're talking about intelligible languages spoken by those men who were gathered there from all those different nations. Peter's words are highlighted, and we really see the first gospel sermon upon the establishment of the church laid out for us in Acts chapter 2. And boy, Peter pulls no punches. He tells those Jewish men gathered there on that day, you've crucified the Son of God. You've crucified your Savior. He demonstrated his identity as being truly God's son and the son and the savior through miracles and signs and wonders that he did in your midst and yet you rejected him you crucified him when we come to the 36th verse peter said let all the house of israel know assuredly that god has made this same jesus whom you crucified both lord and christ and so peter assures them the fact that you rejected the Savior, the fact that you did not believe in him, the fact that you conspired, to, or at least your, your leadership conspired to send him to the cross, uh, that did not change who he is. That did not change his role. God has made him both Lord and Christ. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah. He is the Savior. He is your Savior and only through him can you come to God and have the hope of eternal life. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Well, 
many of the Jews were convicted and convinced, but they had a question in their mind. So in verse 37, many of them asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? What shall we do? What do we need to do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they wanted to know, what do we need to do? They were ready to believe in the Savior, so they needed to repent of their disbelief. They needed to repent of their having rejected him. They needed to repent of their having turned away from him. They needed to come to the Savior. They needed to be baptized into him, immersed in the waters, buried with him in that watery grave of baptism, so the blood that he shed on the cross could have the effect of cleansing them from the guilt of their sins. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We find Paul and Silas in jail in a town called Philippi. They're on one of the missionary journeys. They have been incarcerated because of their teaching and preaching and having actually cast an evil spirit out of a young woman who was being used for profit by her masters. Well, in prison, they're singing praises to God, even into the wee hours of the morning, it would seem. The other prisoners are listening. And it would seem that probably the jailer had heard them singing those praises to God. Now, they were, they were in prison, but they were still singing praises to God. And then God caused an earthquake to happen. The prison doors were thrown open. All of the bonds that were on the hands and ankles of the prisoners in those cells, they were loosed, but nobody ran away. The jailer had fallen asleep, but he arose from his bed, and he went in, and seeing that the prison doors were open and the bonds were loosed, he drew his sword and was ready to commit suicide, because under Roman law, and he lived under that law, he would have had to have paid the price or the penalty for every single prisoner who escaped under his watch. And so he drew his sword. He was about to end it all. Instead of spending the rest of his life or maybe even having to go to ex some form of execution in place of any prisoner that got away, he was ready to just take his life on the spot. But Paul cried out and said, do yourself no harm. Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then that jailer called for a light. He ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is a question that has undoubtedly been asked many times over the centuries since it was asked on Pentecost, what shall we do? Since it was asked by that jailer in Philippi, what must I do to be saved? Undoubtedly, people have asked that question in one form or another repeatedly through the centuries. 
It is a question that everyone needs to ask today. All who have not yet come to Jesus for salvation, in the way that Peter told those Jewish men who asked that question on Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. People need to ask that question today. What must I do to be saved? It's a question of far greater importance and depth than any other question that mankind can ask. Many men will ask the love of their life, will you marry me? Oh, it's a great question. But it really does not compare with that fundamental question of seeking salvation. Many will ask an employer, would you be willing to hire me? I'm looking for a job. That's important to their livelihood, to their well-being. But again, it pales in comparison to that fundamental, of, most fundamental of all questions, what must I do to be saved? Many will ask how they can make some money, how they can perform a particular task that will provide them a job and a livelihood, show me, teach me this skill, this trade. But again, those are all questions of this world. What must I do to be saved is a question that points to eternity, to heaven itself. Whoever printed the bumper sticker, read the Bible, free gift inside, got it absolutely right. That free gift is something that no amount of money could buy. No amount of money gathered by any individual or any group of individuals in this world. That cannot buy what is being talked about in that simple statement. Read the Bible free gift inside. You see, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul stated both sides of the ledger from a spiritual perspective. The wages of sin is death. Now, we die physically because of sin. Going all the way back to mankind entering into sin in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. But the far greater death of importance is spiritual death, and that's separation from God because of sin. Sin separates us from God, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. But the rest of what Paul said in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the gift. The gift from God. The gift that God offers us if we will come to him, his way. And the way that, G that Peter laid out on Pentecost when asked by those Jewish men, what must we do? The way that that jailer in Philippi fo followed when he knelt down before Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? That very night, he was also baptized into Christ for the remission of his sins. We'll go deeper into this question and answer next time.
Father, thank you for the love that you have for us, and thank you for making the way through Jesus Christ, offering us that gift of salvation as we come to you through him in repentance, in obedience, and baptism for the remission of our sins. Praise be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.